This is the Liberty and Law Podcast, where practicing lawyer and legal scholar Jeff Teichert offers unique insight into the relationship between law and liberty in history, politics, and American life. If you have a passion for liberty, you are in the right place. Hello, lovers of liberty, and welcome to another edition of the Liberty and Law Podcast. This is Jeff Teichert, your host. And I want to talk today about an interesting subject uh, that really has been hotly debated for a long time and probably will continue to be for the foreseeable future. But that is the subject of cameras in the courtroom. Now, I want to talk about it more broadly than just in the criminal context, but I began with Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 53 except as otherwise provided by a statute or these rules, the court must not permit the taking of photographs in the courtroom during judicial proceedings or the broadcasting of judicial proceedings from the courtroom. So in the federal system, uh, in criminal trials, cameras are banned. As you may know, in the Supreme Court, there's no cameras. They do make recordings of the oral arguments, and you can find them online, and they're fascinating to listen to, at least if if you're interested in the work of the Supreme Court, as I am. But anyway, Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 53 says that in criminal trials, at least, We can't have cameras in the courtroom. Incidentally, this came up the other night. Uh, My wife and I were watching something on TV and they were showing sketch artists depictions of things that had happened in the courtroom of a lawyer standing up arguing. There was a drawing of that lawyer. And my wife said, well, why, why would you have a drawing of that. Why isn't there a photograph? Or, And I told her, well, and cameras are not allowed in, in many courtrooms in the United States. Now, in the federal system, as I mentioned, they're not allowed uh, at all. But in the state system, uh, there are states that allow cameras in the courtroom. As you may or may not know, the O.J. Simpson uh, trial in California was entirely televised. And it was the most, the the final verdict when OJ Simpson was acquitted of his former wife's murder, that was the single most watched event in television history. 150 million people watched it live. That's like half the population of the United States today. And it still holds the record for the most watched event in television history. This is part of the worry that many opponents of cameras in the courtroom have about televising that If you were around during the O.J. Simpson trial, uh, you know, it was 
an event that was gripping because it had everything, race and sex and, you know, all of the things that make headlines. And it was in the middle of Los Angeles where, you know, there's a huge celebrity culture and that's where a lot of the celebrity culture of our overall American culture grows from. And of course, many of the lawyers involved in the case became celebrities by virtue of being seen on TV conducting this, this very public trial. And it was covered in some ways like a sporting event. They would go through attorneys questioning witnesses and, and then you would have a media commentator come on and tell you what you just heard. Kind of like, you know, color commentators on Monday night football or something. Judge Ito, uh, who was the judge in that trial seemed to love the camera. Uh, and it of course made him a household name. I mean, I just recited his name from memory, even though that trial was, you know, 30 years ago, roughly, not quite that long. Anyway, a lot of people are concerned that if you allow cameras in the courtroom, that it's going to create a culture of celebrity lawyers, celebrity defendants, you know, that it's going to make larger than life figures out of the, the participants because they get to be on television. And a lot of insiders in the legal profession don't want to see that. I've also noticed, however, that every time a, a new Supreme Court nominee comes up before the Senate, uh, the, the senators will ask uh, them if they're open to the ideas of cameras in the courtroom. And, and most of the senators tend to want that. They want to see, uh, they want to see cameras, um, allowed in the Supreme court and the televising of, of oral arguments. Now I, I saw an interview recently with, uh, justice Breyer, who is on the United States Supreme court and, his concern was that it would lead that that allowing cameras into the the courtroom would leave the impression that what went on during that discussion between the judges and the attorneys uh, was the whole thing that that was what everything was based on whereas he said you know it's five percent of what really goes into it that most of the judges come to oral argument or justices come to oral argument with their minds pretty much made up that it rarely changes their minds and that most of the legal argument is on briefs and and that is true i can testify to that i mean i've argued eight cases in the washington state court of appeals and i've argued a number of other appeals in different contexts most of the legal work is on briefs and most of the important arguments are made on the briefs and the oral argument in an appellate proceeding uh, tends to be just a chance for the justices 
to get clarity uh, on their, what the, their ruling might mean from the attorneys. It's a chance for them to ask questions, to sharpen the arguments. All right, well, what about this hypothetical? How, how would you rule in that? You know, they'll, they'll ask the attorney, what, how does that apply to this hypothetical? And the attorneys will, you know, spar with the justices about uh, distinguishing crazy hypothetical uh, situations from the case at bar. And, you know, I've heard Chief Justice Roberts say that there would be a great educational function of allowing cameras in the courtroom and that many people think it ought to be allowed on that basis. And Justice Roberts, incidentally, isn't one of them. And in fact, I don't know if I've ever heard of a Supreme Court justice favoring the idea of cameras in the Supreme Court. Um, those who have advocated most vociferously for cameras in the courtroom are, are media, uh, print, radio, television, especially television, and the lawyers who represent those interests. Well, there's an obvious reason why they would like cameras in the courtroom. It, it, it's, it's more gripping television to watch an attorney grilling a witness on the witness stand than hearing a secondhand report of it uh, on, an, on the news without being able to actually hear the testimony and hear the lawyer's voice and see the faces of the people involved. It makes better television. <clears throat> and the O.J. Simpson trial was a highly visible and watched event, as I mentioned. Chief Justice Roberts uh, liked the idea of cameras in the courtroom from the standpoint of educating the public, but was opposed to it overall because he believed it would change the, the dynamic and the interaction of the Supreme Court justices knowing that there was a camera on them. And he was afraid that, that you know, their, their relations, even... I mean, Justice Scalia's best friend on the court was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and they couldn't be more different in their judicial philosophies and where they often came down on important cases, but they were good friends. Uh, and incidentally, I like that. I like the fact that the Supreme Court is collegial and that they are kind to people they disagree with. And I would hope that having cameras on them wouldn't change that, but you know, there is a, a sense in which uh, you could worry about whether the justices over time would enjoy the publicity a little too much and engage in, you know, put downs of the other justices and see, you know, you might see a lot more verbal sparring between them and, you know, maybe personal put downs and things like that. So those are all things that, that are arguments uh, against cameras in the courtroom, uh, you know, and, and, and the idea of creating celebrity lawyers and celebrity justices. P 
people feel and are worried that that might lead, you know, that that might lead to um, compromising due process of law. That that you would have trial by media rather than trial by jury. That you know you would have more and more forecasting by watchers of trials as to what uh, the outcome might be and why, and you know that might compromise the jury system uh, because the public would all have you know there would be opinion polls is O.J. Simpson guilty or you know other in other highly public trials. Um, there might be, you know, people lining up and would we have jurors looking at opinion polls to decide how they're going to uh, vote in the jury room. So those are, are some of the arguments against it, that the publicity would be distracting for jurors and for the court and, and also the, the lawyers. And that, you know, having a culture of celebrity lawyers isn't necessarily in the interest of justice. Uh, that, you know, you would have both judges and attorneys playing to the gallery. Uh, also, people think, you know, in trial courts, they worry that witnesses' behavior could be changed by the presence of cameras. Cato Kalin, you know, became a celebrity basically for being O.J. Simpson's friend and, you know, using his guest house as a flop house when he was an unemployed actor uh, Robert Kardashian became a household name because he was the first attorney that O.J. Simpson hired and helped him to construct what <clears throat> came to be commonly known as the Dream Team, this great team of lawyers that O.J. Simpson hired. It made him a household name, and then, you know, the Kardashians, uh, the Kardashian sisters are all his daughters, and they became celebrities because their father was a celebrity after his involvement in the O.J. Simpson trial. And then, you know, we know the names Robert Shapiro and Johnny Cochran and Marsha Clark and Christopher Darden, Barry Sheck. You know, many of them became celebrity lawyers after and made huge sums of money because of the notoriety that they gained by being part of that case. And some people say, you know, that all the people involved may be distracted by looking for celebrity and the guilt or innocence of the witness may take a back seat to that uh, if, <clears throat> if there were cameras allowed in the, the courtroom. People are worried you know, and it, the, the worry is justifiable um, that jurors who aren't sequestered, for example, I mean, the O.J. Simpson jury, they were kept insulated from the public, but you can't sequester every jury, right? 
and that juries in some public, highly public cases wouldn't be sequestered and friends and neighbors might be wanting to talk to them about the case and jurors may not all have the level of professionalism to resist that. And that could ultimately result in mistrials in some cases. And so uh, people, people worry about the tainting of the jury pool and the actual jury that is impaneled. And that could be true in important civil cases as well as criminal cases. <clears throat> justice Anthony Kennedy, former Supreme Court justice, was, was worried um, in a number of interviews he gave and, and testimony before Congress that, that cameras in the Supreme Court would encourage lawyers and justices to to engage in the kind of sound bites we've talked about rather than sophisticated legal arguments that the litigants deserve and that the court's opinions deserve. And he described the exchange during oral argument as being integral to his decision-making. Unlike Justice Breyer, he, he differed on that, but they were both opposed to cameras in the courtroom. Um, and he thinks the, the absence of cameras would be, you know, allows more professional legal argument and more, um, well, more sophisticated discussion, keeping the lawyers and justices and the parties focused on uh, the the cogent legal points. And film director Sidney Lumet made this observation of the O.J. Simpson trial. I don't think cameras left anyone's consciousness for a second. This includes Judge Ito. This includes the defense. This includes the prosecution and the witnesses. And then he said also, indeed, the O.J. Simpson factor has contributed to many federal judges' concerns that cameras turn legal proceedings into a media circus. Well, if that is, if that is the argument against it, why would anyone be for it? Chief Justice Roberts mentioned, although he did it while shooting the argument down, that there could be educational value, that the public could get more insight into how the courts actually work. And I think, <clears throat> in point of fact, the O.J. Simpson trial did have that effect. Um, it was, in many cases, the only exposure that many people had to the judicial system. Now, that's both good and bad. I mean, it, it gave more people more knowledge than, than they had had before. But if that had been a garden variety case, even a double murder case, uh, with someone who wasn't wealthy and famous like O.J. Simpson, it likely would have been plea bargained and never gone to trial. And if it did go to trial, the trial would have lasted a few days, not uh, several months. But because he had the, the wealth and power to hire uh, 
a great criminal defense team and to dig up all kinds of evidence, some of it arguably irrelevant, uh, you know, it was a presentation of a super trial that in the day-to-day operation of the justice system was not realistic. It looked more like something out of L.A. Law or one of the other law shows. And more courtroom drama than really exists in most trials that you would see if you just went down to your local courthouse uh, and watched legal proceedings. Justice Breyer, as I mentioned before, was afraid that people would mistakenly conclude that the oral argument in front of the U.S. Supreme Court was really what everything was based on rather than on the briefs, which is more important, and that it would lead to miseducation. Well, where do I come down on this? I want to tell you that I've thought long and hard about it. I want to read to you the Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution, or a portion of it. In all criminal prosecutions, so it only this only applies in, in criminal cases, but in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. And it goes on, but but these are the words I want to focus on. Now, a lot of the arguments against cameras in the courtroom are that it will taint the jury selection process and make jurors uh, watching what's going on in the media rather than what's going on in the courtroom, that it will be distracting, that jurors may have, you know, be thinking during a very public trial of the book deal that they can get, that really attorneys and witnesses may be thinking of the same thing. And so can you get an impartial jury to give the defendant a fair trial if there's cameras in the courtroom? However, the language I emphasize says the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. Now, you could argue from a very strict constructionist point of view that a public trial is now what it was in 1787, a trial where the courtroom is open to the media and people and the public, and they can come in and watch what's going on. But since we didn't have TV back then and that wasn't really thought of, then a public trial only means that the courtroom has to be open to the public and that we don't need cameras to do that. Well, thinking about the values that underlie this, why would we say a speedy and public trial? Why not a speedy and private trial? 
if we're worried about the partiality of the jury system and people playing to the gallery, attorneys and judges playing to the gallery, why not make it a private trial? Why not close the public out of it? Why not keep the media out of it? And then it'll be even less distracting. Truth is, friends, I think in this day and age, public means public. When we think of, of a public trial, I think we're thinking about a trial where every means of making the proceedings known to the public are allowed and employed. We, we didn't have the internet either back when the First Amendment was crafted for freedom of speech and freedom of the press and so forth. But we don't argue that the internet is not publishing and is not speech. Uh, we, you know, we never argued that television is not covered by freedom of the press and that the people on television are not exercising freedom of speech and press. No, when new technologies have, have come out, we have, you know, new communication technologies, we have embraced those as being part of the citizen's right to free speech. And as, as the internet has evolved and, this, and citizens have more ways of speaking, we have seen their right to free speech grow. Everybody's got their own little platform for saying stuff. And in like manner, um, people aren't typically getting their news anymore by just reading newspaper accounts or hearing secondhand what a legal analyst says. Uh, people are getting their news from television and internet and media whenever possible. Now, again, why a public trial? Why not a private trial? If public trials taint the jury pool and taint, um, you know, distract the jury. And yeah, there were, there were jurors after the O.J. Simpson trial that got book deals. There were witnesses that did. The lawyers did. Uh, so you know, why not a private trial? Well, I'm going to tell you. Because I'm going to use a familiar old English expression. We don't want things, we don't want people prosecuted and convicted in secret. We don't want things to be, quote unquote, done in a corner. And that's the crux of, of the argument. Where the rubber meets the road in terms of the government's relation to individuals, it is in criminal justice. That's where decisions are made about individuals being subjected to the death penalty or being subjected to life in prison or any other deprivation of liberty, you know, a shorter prison term uh, where their property is often impacted. And we have a right to a public trial 
if we are going to be deprived of life, liberty, or property so that our fellow citizens can watch and make sure we're being treated fairly. And if we're not being treated fairly, if they see things happening where the citizen is not being heard or getting a chance to tell their side of the story or having a fair jury impaneled, that we, our fellow citizens, can speak up and say, this is wrong. And to me, that argument for a public trial trumps all of these other considerations. We believe in democracy, right? We believe in open government. We have the Freedom of Information Act allowing us to send FOIA letters to federal agencies saying, turn over all your documents about this and that and the other. And unless it's something classified and that has to meet special criteria, they've got to turn over the documents no matter how embarrassing they, they are. And Dr. Fauci recently got FOIA'd about the way he handled the coronavirus case. And some of the documents he had to turn over were not very flattering to him. But we believe in a transparent government, right? I think people have been reluctant to say things like, like I'm saying now when it comes to the courts, because it is an area of government that people feel they have less understanding of. Well, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know all the rules and the processes. You know, I don't know what qualifies as evidence. And people are understandably fearful about getting it wrong. And so they tend to defer to judges about what makes a good judge. They tend to defer to the experts, so to speak, on whether cameras would be uh, appropriate in the courtroom. So... I understand that the Sixth Amendment only applies to criminal trials uh, and that there's no provision for a public civil trial, although all of our civil trials are public, almost all. It doesn't apply to appellate proceedings because it talks about trials, public trial, and an appellate proceeding is not and never was a trial. So I'm not necessarily just making a constitutional argument here. I, the constitutional argument, I absolutely would say that a public trial means a trial that is open to the public and every other way the public gets their information, whether it's newspaper, radio, television, internet, yeah, I believe that that in, in this day and age is a public trial and that in the founding era, public meant whatever ways the public can see. Uh, they might, you know, the public, if there was an interesting trial going on, might go down to the courthouse and watch. And why would they? Well... There's nothing on TV, right? Back in 1789, if there was somebody being tried uh, for treason or even some minor thing, you know, horse stealing, uh, that might be an interesting thing for people to go and 
and watch. I've often said if the Lincoln-Douglas debates were held today, nobody would show up. Uh, why? Because they got 200 cable channels at home and there's always something else to watch. Uh, so why would people leave the comfort of their home when they got 200 cable channels and go down uh, and go to Washington, buy a plane ticket to Washington, D.C. to watch a Supreme Court uh, argument or even go down to their local courthouse to watch a trial? Most people are not going to do that. If it's a very public media-covered trial, people might try to get in and be part of that. But bottom line, friends, what this comes down to, all of the arguments by Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Breyer and Justice Kennedy about keeping cameras out of the courtroom are the general public is not smart enough they're not educated in what we, the judges, and our court system does, and therefore they shouldn't be shown that on television. And besides that, having a public trial will turn people into celebrities and that will, will taint them from being able to create a fair trial experience. It's really kind of a condescending argument that you know, we the people are too stupid to govern ourselves. And if we watch something on TV, we might, you know, we might um, do something wrong with that information. Or we might have uh, people that are playing to the public and looking for a book deal more than how the trial is going to end up for the accused. And you know, there could be high profile civil trials. Is there a big industrial waste case where the environment's being polluted or there's charges of that? You know, I think the Exxon Valdez oil spill might have been a civil case where people would have shown up to watch, you know, to watch a televised trial. There there are all kinds of possibilities there. And I'm not suggesting, by the way, that every court trial should be covered. Uh, for some of them, nobody would watch. But I think it's interesting that, you know, the People's Court, Judge Wapner, and then more recently, Judge Judy, and there have been others, Judge Joe Brown and so forth, but these TV small claims court judges that decide the most boring cases in history have been highly financially successful television shows because people are curious about what judges do and how are these disputes going to be resolved and what principles are involved. I do think it would have an educational value, but, but above and beyond that, it's a watchdog function. The American people have the right to know what their lawyers and judges are doing in those court courtrooms. They have a right to know whether their fellow citizens are getting a fair trial or not. And if somebody doesn't get a fair trial, well, you know, the public deserves to be outraged by that. And in, in, highly, in high profile cases, the media would cover it. 
they would put cameras in the courtroom. And, and we saw that with the George Floyd trial, um, where, you know, the George Floyd murder trial. Officer Chauvin was tried in a very public trial and he was convicted. And I think rightly so. I think the attorneys did a great job in that, in that case overall. I don't think people were thinking about book deals and you know, celebrity status. I think they were trying to give the man a fair trial and hear all of the admissible evidence and come to the right conclusion. Now, I know there are people who disagree with me about that, but in any case, I think it's healthy for people to disagree about that. I think it's healthy for neighbors who both watched the same trial on TV to say, oh, I, I didn't, wasn't persuaded by Cato Kalin's testimony or whatever. Well, I, I thought it was, and here's why. And, you know, I mean, if they're watching it a little bit like a sporting event, I can see where people are concerned that this is much more serious than whether the Yankees go to the World Series. Of course it is. It's important. But darn it, guys. We began as a government of laws and not of men where it's supposed to be a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And how can the people govern when they're kept in the dark about a big part of what their government is doing? where people don't really understand the judicial system. They don't see it operating. And frankly, I, I believe that keeping cameras out of the courtroom in criminal trials is unconstitutional. How can it be a public trial if it's not on TV, if it doesn't use the methods that we use now to make things public? And I don't think that's an unreasonable extension of that uh, or expansion of that uh, term public we do, do do we want our government to do things in a corner you know the trials of let's say public officials for example uh, there there were have been people in various administrations that have gone to jail uh, based on prosecutions that were arguably political. And I just ask you the question, do you want such things to be done in a corner? You know, are we comfortable having things being done out of public view specifically because we don't trust the public to correctly interpret what's happening? And if you think about that, it's truly chilling. So count me in as a proponent of cameras in the courtroom for all proceedings from small claims up to the United States Supreme Court. I want all of it. I want it televised, except when there's highly sensitive national security information involved and there is a compelling public interest in not having the trial public uh, 
you know, I, I want people to be able to have a watchdog function over how their court system is working, whether their fellow citizens are getting due process of law, whether in civil or criminal cases. And I think that's what the founders of our republic envisioned when they said they wanted a public trial. They may not have foreseen internet and TV, but I don't think they would have wanted to block people from coming into the courtroom in a virtual experience in their time. I think they had seen abuses of royal courts where people were often dragged far from their uh, home and taken up to Canada and other places and tried in maritime courts that they had little understanding of and where nobody cared about the the proceeding. Yeah, I think they looked at stuff like that and said, no, we need to have a public trial and it needs to be in the district where the crime was committed and, you know, where people would be interested. And I think also it's important to understand the Bill of Rights in total. Not everything we deeply care about is in the Bill of Rights. Uh, I mean, I deeply care about marriage. I love my wife, but there's nothing in the Constitution that says I have a right to get married to my wife. Okay, that was always a state law issue. Now, the Supreme Court has found over time that there was a right to marry, and based on that, a right to same-sex marriage. Well, once you've decided that there is a fundamental right to marry, how can you then say that that doesn't apply to everyone. Well, they, they ultimately they decided that they couldn't say that. But since when is marriage in our Bill of Rights? It's not. It never was. It's something we all deeply care about, but the protection for it is in the political process, not in the Bill of Rights. Why were certain things explicitly put in the Bill of Rights, like the right to keep and bear arms, or the right to free speech, the right to freedom of religion, and so on. Why were certain things specifically put in the Bill of Rights uh, and other things that we care deeply about were left out? I'll tell you. The things that were put in the Bill of Rights were the things that a dictator would try to take away in consolidating power to himself. Would a dictator allow that, a per, that someone should not be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law? No. A dictator wants to serve as judge, jury, and executioner. A dictator wants to be able to have someone arrested and punished without any check on his power. That's why a jury trial is so important because it puts your fate in the hands of your peers, in the hands of your fellow citizens and not some governing elite. Have you thought about that? It's a very sacred right. And I sometimes think we don't think about it enough, but again, I think the right to a public trial 
in our day and age has to include media. And even in the other proceedings that I talked about that aren't strictly speaking covered by the Constitution, I don't necessarily think it's unconstitutional to exclude cameras in a civil trial or an appellate process. Uh, however, I think if we look at the principles and, and we think about it in terms of policy, do we want our government to be conducting civil trials and uh, appeals that affect our fellow citizens' property rights and so on, do we want that done in a corner? Do we want that done out of public view in a way where the public really only gets a very, you know, small glimpse into what's really happening? So that is my position I'm for cameras in the courtroom at all levels, in all court proceedings, except for the very narrow exception that I mentioned. And I very much believe that uh, federal rule of civil procedure or of criminal procedure uh, 53 banning cameras in criminal trials is unconstitutional. I think it violates the accused's right to a public trial. So that's, uh, that's how I see it, friends. I think uh, this is an interesting topic. I hope you'll give it more thought. Uh, show this podcast to your friends and let them debate it also. And remember, if you love liberty, you're in the right place. Talk to you soon, and uh, we will... Enjoy future conversations.